0: There isn't a digital transformation. There's transformation. Di- all digital is is, a, is an enabler. And and I think actually when you look at it, the majority of, of technology solutions are just tools and you will give people the best tools and training and the trust that they can go and do their job. And I think that's really what, what we have to look at.
1: Yeah, I mean, technology has been you know slower in this industry, but it's coming on so fast now from in, in every aspect. Obviously, we are, we're very much focused on digitizing the, the, the people and the shift management, but it, it's in inventory management, it's in delivery management. Um, oh, every aspect of, of the industry is being digitized right now.
2: Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind that both employees and customers love and support. This is a special edition bonus episode where we go behind the scenes of our show partner, BizSimply. They are the all-in-one HR workforce management rotor and operation software designed and built by hospitality experts to make every shift run like clockwork. And I'll be talking to the founder, Jared Ford, and the CEO, Connor Shaw, who will be sharing their journeys in hospitality and big tech companies. Jared will share the why and the story behind this simply that he started back in 2015. And we're going to learn that one of their first investors was Bono from U2 and how they went from startup land to scale up. You'll find out they are obsessed with the industry and how to help the industry solve many of its problems by ensuring that frontline managers are empowered to run their businesses like Clockwork and spend more time on the shop floor developing their people. We also dive into talking about the level of digitalization in the hospitality industry and how it's moved very fast the last 12 months and how it will develop over time. They believe that tech will be able to give the frontline employees more autonomy in their work over time. Con underlines that technology is only a tool in the same way that a good knife is for a chef's productivity. Tech is not the solution to all business challenges. We also take a look in the crystal ball and see how they think that industry could develop over the coming years and what role tech will play. It's hard now, they think, but there's big opportunity for progressive operators out there. They also have some concerns around the current talent crisis and how it could impact operators short-term, but they have hope that people who love hospitality will come back. Now please grab your notebook, pen and coffee. There are some great learnings in here on how to build a company from the inside out. Enjoy! Welcome to a very special episode where we are going to go behind the scenes of Simply that has been so kind with partnering with us here at Hospitality Mavericks on the show, helping you to get... uh, more insights and strategies to uh, thrive and not just survive out there in the industry. Today, we are joined by two of the, the main people behind Simply, the, the founder, Jared, and the CEO, Connor. And we're going to be talking about the industry. We're going to be talking about uh, leadership. We're going to talk about the learnings they had along observing into the industry. We're going to be talking about tech, culture, and so much more. So, with that said, let's get started with the conversation. And welcome to the uh, show, Jared. Thank you very much, Michael. Thank you for having us this morning, Connor. Also, welcome to you.
0: Yeah, it's great
2: to be here, uh, Michael, and
0: it's great to be associated with all the fantastic work you're doing at Hospitality Mavericks for helping helping the industry change and work through this difficult period.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Connor uh, and Jared. It's a super interesting uh, conversation we're going to have today. But to set it all in in perspective, it's always good to know who the people are behind things because they are often not uh, always uh, displayed. And uh, I didn't know you guys' story before we had this conversation pre this recording and i think there's a lot of good gems in there and and, and knowledge behind that but let's start off with you jared you're you're the founder of the business and you 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 put down the first stones of this business could you tell a bit more about your background and uh, and and how you ended up at it simply like your elevator pitch one to two minutes yeah so michael um i guess i kind of fell into the
1: technology business over 20 years slowly fell in um I originally, um, uh, after university, I, um, I moved to the United States and I started working in the restaurant business over there. Um, uh, it was yeah it blew my mind. I had worked in restaurants in, in, back in, in Cork in Ireland and they had been very, kind of run in a, quite an ad hoc way. Um, and then when I, I arrived in the States just to see the, the, you know, the, the systems, the professionalism, the, the career path that people were on over there was quite different than anything I you know, had experienced. So I spent about five years in the States. Um, I, this was back in 1999, I moved back to Ireland. We, we saw this um, kind of smoothie trend starting in the States with healthy food out in San Francisco. So we decided to have a go at it back in Ireland. Um, and we set up a business called Nude. So it was a nude cafe and we grew that from 1999 to 2007. We grew to about seven locations, a very, very successful business. We eventually sold it, but um, even back then I could see the opportunity to see where we could um, take technology to help us run those businesses better. Afternoon, I worked for an incredible company, a US company called Aramark, and um, they have a big presence here in the UK um, as well. That was a contract catering company. Um, it was my first time ever working like in a corporate role, probably not working for for myself per se and uh, I could kind of see the the problems that we had um, in terms of managing systems with a hundred people in our business suddenly I was working with a business with a hundred thousand people and the same problems existed about you know how we operations control management um, employee engagement etc and I worked there for a number of years and then about six years ago six seven years ago we kind of said well actually we always had this kind of um Kind of itch to scratch to see if we could actually build technology to to to, to manage help manage restaurants. So we set out um, back in 2015, maybe around 2015 to set up the simply. And uh, originally it was very much uh, you know we were just say it was a small business and just a couple of us. And today we've grown to to quite a quite a successful business, I think
2: yeah that's great uh jared and uh, connor uh, also the same same uh, for you what what is your background and journey and how did you end up with a uh, simply
0: yeah it's it's it, there's a kind of an irony in our in our two stories because i my my dad decided i was good at math so i should go do engineering and um, but actually i think i was always a kind of a sales and marketer at heart but so when I finished engineering school, I immediately went into sort of sales and marketing, but mainly with tech companies. So I, I have a career in Philips, Oracle, SAP, Marketo, so those sort of big tech sort of companies and and spent my whole career, probably over 25 years, really working with and helping organizations make the most of digital technologies. And then sort of three and a half years ago, I found Gerard and the Zimpli. And we kind of agreed that, if you like, my skills and experience in technology digitization software sales, and so on would actually complement jar's industry background and I suppose passion for the for solving the problems of the customer and um so far I must say it's been a great journey we're we're here three and a half years later and we've seen the company grow inordinately over that period of time and have had some great customers and great people working with us.
2: Great, 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 great. That was very succinct, both of you. That's uh, great. What about uh, Be simply? You have now been around since two thousand and fifteen. You said, Jared, and uh, what are like the the big milestones uh, you've had and and uh, successes on the way, and what have your learnings been with the company?
1: Yeah, so we we set up um, as I said, two thousand and fifteen. The original uh, concept we we built um, what we would call an MVP. Um, so which is in tech terms is a minimum viable product or a proof of concept. Um, so initially we were looking at just how do we capture uh, KPIs out of restaurant businesses. I think our, our first customer was, was an old friend of mine who had about five locations. Um, and he, he would tell me one day he was getting every, the front the house and back of the house both sent him an email every night for each location. So he was getting two emails per night per location or 10 emails um, per night, 70 emails a week. It's basically, even with five locations, he was snowed under with information. So originally, we built a kind of a form-based application for just grabbing the KPIs out of the business. Um, and then gradually, we kind of got into a few businesses. Then the next thing, someone was asking us, could we look at scheduling? And then it became time and attendance. Um, then it became a shift management. So gradually over the over the over the last kind of five years we we've, we've added a lot of features, you know, to the product. Um to where we are today, where I think we have a very much a, a full suite application for kind of an all in one restaurant managers. Just milestones, yes, yeah, it's been fun. We started with, with just myself, then our first hire. Um we got some early investment. Um Bono of all people was 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 our was, was our first investor. Um which always Yeah, it always fascinates people. Um, You know, I don't think uh, our business would have been typical to his portfolio of 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 investments. It was us and Facebook at the time, Um, but it was a great experience. He's been he's been a great investor all the way along. Um, Brought in some other great investors. We 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 won a bunch of little tech events. Uh, We got to travel the world, uh, meet loads of great investors. But then over the last few years, I think Connor coming on board was a huge milestone. we it kind of took us out of that kind of startup mode into into the execution. So
0: so so that's been a, a big jump for us, Connor. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's a bit unfair because I've just been positioned as the guy who took the fun away, which <laughs> <So it's> getting <laughs> great. But I mean, I, I have to say, I think one of the things that when I met Jared, I, I just felt, do you know what? Here's a person who is it's not even passion. I mean, Jared talks about the 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 plural of Passion is obsession. Who's just obsessed with solving our customers' problems? But I mean, we needed to get some focus, and we put some and 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 try to get some structure in terms of how how an international expansion and even product expansion can be done. So so actually, over the past three years, I suppose some of the things we've done is we we first of all said we're going to focus on the UK. There's a big enough market. There's plenty of uh, shift-based businesses in terms of pubs, restaurants catering hotels etc and so focus on that and then also focus on and actually the three major problems we solve which is one is obviously the workforce management element and and making sure that you' have the right people in the right place at the right time looking at the HR side of things so that they're they're properly skilled and they've got the right attitude and they're uh, they're the right kind of people for your business and then that they're doing the right thing so that you've got your shift your shift management. So it's fallen into three product suites as a result. And we we want some great. we've got some super customers be they be they smaller independent single unit bars and restaurants or coffee shops right up to um, you know hundreds of locations on large Costa or KFC franchise type groups or multi franchise groups and um we solve the same problem for everybody. We 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 help the manager do the job, so that they can then be with their people.
2: Yeah, because it's it's very interesting from from the outset what you said, Jared. As well, is that you've maybe grown organic, but you've been listening to to your customers. And even though you came with a a lot of industry experience, both from small operation to to large operation like Anima Global Operations. You still uh, took the time to, to figure it out by actually listening to the customers and their challenges as they were right now, which I think it's quite uh, important. And then, as you said, Connor, the, the focusing on helping the shift manager because I always call the shift manager one in conflict in an organization, or the restaurant manager. They are getting information from top and from bottom, and they need to serve both equally well, and that's that can be a massive challenge in 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 in, a, in operations. Connor, uh, what is it unique to, to your company? You talked a bit about the problems you solve. What is unique to to you guys? What is it that you do so well, uh, and what the customer comes back and say all the time? This is absolutely great. We love it.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Michael. And and one one of the things we have an image here, which is uh, we we have a heart, and we put the manager's name in the heart, and above it is you know the owner, the directors and then also above it you've got your sort of head office operations hr procurement and so on but then ar- around the heart then are the people who are working in the in the restaurant and then and then you've also got the customers and, and the manager is the ceo of of their location and they need to be you know they they need to be properly supported and trusted to do the job and that's really where where we where we come in and we say Let's 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 make sure that person can spend their time doing what they what they want to do, which is actually spend time out on the floor with their staff and with their customers.
2: That's a super exciting journey you've been on, and some great customers you got on uh, as you went on. But what is a uh, deeply, you know, uh, the the purpose of uh, the business would be simply because every business go through uh, a journey from startup to a more established, as you mentioned yourself. So what is the the deep purpose of uh, BizSimply and how, how can you, you see that in the product? Michael, we see BizSimply, I mean the purpose um,
1: or goal is to empower the managers on site in locations. Um, I always see a restaurant or a retail manager or a manager in healthcare, we have a lot of healthcare business as well. Um, the manager is wearing many hats every day when they come to work. Um, so the manager is the is responsible for the HR. The manager's response is like the financial controller of the business. is the is the operator of the business, and also they're washing dishes, brewing coffee. Um, so there's so many different parts of the business they touch every day. And previously, these are all in, either on Excel spreadsheets or in emails, or they're using disparate softwares, different softwares for different things, and we try to bring all that into one solution. So they have all their scheduling, their time attendance, their shift management, their, um, their even their HR, all in one simple solution. So when an employee comes to work, it just makes it so much easier for them to manage. It gives them, allows them to standardise their operations, allows head off to see what's happening in the business. But the most important thing is to empower the manager so they can go in, do the, do the back office work, and then get back out onto the shop floor where they actually really want to be. And you want them to be there as well.
2: So interesting, because I think you said in one of our conversations, nobody joins. Many people, not many people join hospitality to sit and do office work as well.
1: Absolutely, I can't stress it enough. Um, you know, people who go into the hospitality industry go in because they love dealing with people, uh, or they love food, or but primarily it's because they love dealing with people. And the last thing any office manager wants is to be stuck in the back, uh, any any restaurant manager wants to do is to be in the office all day. Um, But also I would say that managers and hospitals, they do like control. So control is important, even though they they join the business because of people, they also love control. They need to to be in control of of their shift or um, or in control of the business. So so we really work towards that as well, but I couldn't stress it enough, no one joined the restaurant business to be in the office
2: and uh what about uh the back back of office when we talk about the 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 head office or the functions behind they 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 also have a you also have a a bit of uh you know value you add to them i believe
1: yeah so 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 from from corporate level down from um from head office down you know so we, we i mean we're very much focused on standardized operation procedures for the business so that you can codify what's actually happening in your business if you have multiple locations that they all operate in the exact same standards um, in the same way and um, visibility um so we allow people to see you know you know whether, whether how many people are scheduled um, how optimized is the shift who's running late and um, who's who, who, who's who's so yeah, so we do a lot of uh, processes around head office so that they have a, a view on, into the business, but primarily it's get the frontline manager out onto the shop floor.
2: Great, um, Connor. That leads uh, very easily onto the next one. What what, what do you think? There's like so unique about the company. You saw, you talked about you. You joined at a point where you were going from uh, what you call it startup, the wilderness, to uh, to a scale up. Situation, but what what are what is unique to you, and what problems and outcomes do you really solve for for your customer? There is today. You already touched a bit on it early on.
0: Yeah, I I think there's a there's a few different things that. Um, first of all, I think picking up on Jared's point about the fact that we put the that frontline manager at the center of the business, but we do that, but also understanding that head office, whether it's at the owner or area manager level needs to be able to access the information they need to to make decisions and feel they're in control of the business. But then also the support functions, like whether it be payroll or HR or operations or procurement also need to have an understanding as to what's happening in each of the locations around the country. So you know we're we're very much focused on how do we make that communication and and the, the information flow between those functions be so smooth so that actually then again, the manager can get back out on the floor, greeting customers, understanding what's happening, um, getting the feel of things, and, and then also supporting and, and, and coaching their staff. And, and actually when you think about it, that's about giving them the tools, the training and the trust to do that. And I think though, what, so that's, we understand what actually happens on the ground in the location. But why and, and how do we do it? We, we don't hire salespeople. We have a lot of people who are very good communicators and they will look like salespeople, but actually, everybody in the business has worked in the industry. Um, you know, hospitality is probably the most complex shift management pattern business in industry. Um, You know, you think about manufacturing, you think about even healthcare, where there's pretty regular patterns of demand and flow. Hospitality flexes. And it also has probably one of the, by the nature of the roles, you've got one of the highest uh, turnover of staff and you've you've got transient people and so on. So it's very, very complex. So one of the things we, we want to make sure is that our, everybody in the business Understands the industry. So when I when I look at our team, we've got Matt, who's now in product design, who was an operations director of a cost costa franchise. We've got Sean, who who is one of our solution advisors. Um, he he was he was a chef and a restaurant chain owner and an area chef for, for Frankie and Benny's. Rebecca, who heads our product, ran our coffee shop. Jared, you you know his background. Um, so we really pride ourselves in the fact that you know what we've walked in your shoes. We have, we have been, that, been that person. And, and even as we're hiring our entry-level graduate staff, you know, we don't hire CVs, we hire people. And the biggest question, like we, we hired three people recently, they've all did their college work and they were waiters or waitresses or they, they, they were assistant managers. And they've, they've been up at two o'clock in the morning trying to, run, trying to gently get people who have had a great night Safely out of their premises so they can wrap up. They understand all this, and, and we value that relationship with our customer. And um, I, I think to the to to the point of obsession again, um, to make sure that we're actually solving their their problem. Because you know, as Jared says, nobody enters the hospitality industry to look at spreadsheets. They they enter the hospitality industry because they have a passion for it. And we just want to make sure they're free to get that passion out on the floor. And um, and that's it, you know, whether you're balancing a rota, whether you're balancing roles and responsibilities, that's, that's really why why we do this. And
2: we want to make sure that everyone works in a safe and healthy and profitable environment. And uh, that that leads really well to the because you you covered that really well, uh, Connor, to, to the next question about you as a company and your company culture. Because I I think it's a you said you already said it is a people first thing. It's about having the experience in the industry so you can add that on to the customer. But what what is your your approach to to company culture? Because I know Jared, we we love some of the the same books, and we had a long conversation about different uh, companies we admire and uh, also by you have set up your own business before got Bona involved it's a it's that kind of you know people first but also uh, permission to operate as i called it can you talk a bit about how you approach that and uh, you said it already connor you don't hire a cv you hire people um yeah michael uh, yeah we we share a lot of, of same great books and um, zingerman's we're both big
1: fans of zingerman's in Ann arbor michigan and um, incredible company i'm a huge fan of starbucks um um, some of my favorite books are some of Howard Schultz's books, he has a great book, he, I think his original book was uh, Pour Your Heart Into It, it's all about the culture of that business and then I think he followed up about 15 years later with, um, what was his second book? Uh, uh, he had another, sorry, no, the second, his second book was, come to me in a second, it was all about the kind of, again about the culture within that business. Um, so culture is absolutely the, you know, culture strategy for, biz, uh, for breakfast, it's, so important and um, for us it's all about the right people and um, you, know, you can't make a great dish without great ingredients it's just hiring the right people um, you start from the very beginning and um, I, I following up from Connor we we like to hire people who have worked in this industry and um, who can empathize with the customer who've been there you know you know in in, in the industry um, and then like um, I'm very much important that you know that we hire we, we have a philosophy inside the simply I've always be hiring um even if we don't have the role we're always we're always out there looking for people and hiring the person more than the position so we'll find the cv and we, we will hire for the person not necessarily the position we we'll create the position um but what we can find the person's gonna be just that great cultural fit and that's not just in sales and, and customer success that's right into development um so all our developers have usually worked in the restaurant industry at some stage in their life so they really really understand it and then once once you have the right people i mean that is literally the most important thing is, is that you have the right people from the very beginning um and then just empower those people to to get on with their job um nobody ever wants to do a you know a bad job everyone wants to excel um in, in, in their work but you need to give them the the, the space and freedom uh, you know to to get out there make mistakes and uh, and, 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 and love coming to work, it's so important. Um, it's been strange, these COVID times, everyone working on Zoom, but in ways, um, we've kind of almost worked better in, in Zoom. We've worked really, really well uh, because we have stand-ups every morning, stand-ups every evening, where the whole company gets together onto Zoom calls. Uh, we tend not to talk about business on the Zoom calls. We tend to talk about our own personal lives, which has been really, really good. Um, I think I've got to know people in the company more it was since, since COVID then when we we're all in an office together.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah it, th- that's very true, Chair. I mean, I, I think the other sort of point about it, uh, Michael, and I suppose it's, as, as I've got a few grey hairs and I've come to, I, I've been reading quite a list, a lot about sort of the reverse mentoring where where actually the old guys in the business get the young people to mentor them about trends and so on. And, and I, we see that, and growth and development is... It, I guess it's been one of my passions from the very start of my business career where I, I look and see our, our 22-year-olds are out there experimenting, innovating, and responsible for things with the confidence of 50-year veterans. And actually, our 50-something-year-olds are sometimes playing like 22-year-olds with with ideas and, and so on. And one of my favorite books is a guy called Barry O'Reilly who talks, he has a book called Unlearn, and he was heavily involved in the whole lean, um, uh, you know, lean enterprise um, movement. And you know, he, he sort of says, look, markets and people are moving to such an and changing at such a rate that just because we've always done something doesn't mean we always should do something. And I think particularly as we go through this scale-up phase, that level of leadership bringing in people who actually may have a different thought than our own. And, and I would be a great believer in diversity of personality, diversity of, of thinking, um, because I think that's what's going to get us innovative. And we have an incredibly open culture, really. I mean, it was one of the big attractions I had when I joined here, having having been in probably more formal organizations, that everybody has a voice, and um, everybody's voice is, is inclined to be heard. And, and sometimes Shared and I then have to make a difficult decision because we have to make the decision as to what we're going to do. But really, it comes through then for that passion and understanding of solving the customer's problem, and we focus on the job. We're, we're also well able to celebrate, which is, I think, pretty important too, Michael.
2: Yeah, it's, it's interesting what, what you said, Jared, about also during you know lockdown, you've actually built a better relationship and know more about people than you did before because you, you've been able to put in some kind of a habit and structure. Around it, uh, one thing I wonder—I don't know who's going to answer it. Uh, you can find out each of you because I was thinking about you said it's about getting the right people. How do you get around getting the right people? Because everybody says this on many podcasts and interviews. You just have to get the right people, then your business will take care of itself. How do you make sure? What kind of processes had you put in place to to make sure that happens? Because you probably get hundreds of application when you when you put out a job.
0: Yeah. We do. And actually, it's kind of interesting because we've evolved this over the, certainly over the past year. and uh, you know we do put out we do put out the ads. One of the things we do look for is, and we say we don't hire CVs, but one of the things we do look for in the CVs, certainly I do. I look for two things. One, what have they done outside of their formal education and and uh, and background? So you know what other interests have they got? what 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 are their passions? Um, Because that, I think, starts because because you you hire a person and you hire all of them. You don't hire the fact that they've been God's gift to um, washing dishes or whatever the hell they've done in the past um, or or digital marketing. So we want to make sure that we get the whole person. But then we also have a very like like we're going through a recruitment process at the moment. And we have three tag teams of two people who interview them and we interview them on different different aspects of the job and then we come together and to be honest with you we also have a a sort of a, a a veto that if somebody says i just don't feel right about this person we don't hire them um and so it's it i mean the hiring manager has the ultimate hiring decision but anyone else can sort of say nah, there's something not quite right there but we look for the attributes that are in, the, in our own brand, I suppose, passion, understanding of the customer. And, um, and so far, it's, it's been pretty good. Not everybody stays forever. We're, we're a relatively small company, so sometimes we hire youngish people and you know they, they'll give us a few years and then they'll move on. But the interesting thing, and I think this is a real testimony to, to the man here beside me, Jared. Everybody who's ever worked here, we, they still come along. When we used to be able to go for a pint on a Friday night, half the people having the bazimpy pints would be people who used to work with us as much as the people who are working with us, which actually is testimony to the, we, and we do say it, you know, once a bazimp, always a bazimp. You get it into your blood, and uh, and that is testimony to the culture that Gerard created l- before I came along. And oh, thankfully, we've been able to keep that going.
1: Yeah, uh, Michael, I, I think culture, uh, I mean, it's simply the most important thing in any business. Um you know you need to have a good great product, you need to have a great business model, but culture you can't it it's just so it's just it's everything in the business and um, um, finding people who are just full of passion um for me the few things that are really important is always be hiring. I can't stress that enough, and what I mean by that is you, you hire if you meet the right person, you hire them immediately, even if you've no position for them, you might have to make up a position it's not a very as structured as some, you know, some, some, some other companies where we have a position and then they have to get facade in a certain way. If I, if we meet the right person, we will hire them and we will find the position for them. Um, and then just, I guess, just you know, making them believe in the product, um, believe in the company, um, respect. You know, having. I like a very flat structure. We don't. I don't even like titles. I, I'm a big believer in very, very flat organizational structures. Um. Yeah, just. just but it's, I can't stress it culture is everything in business. The right people.
2: It reminds me. Of, I can't remember we talked about this book before, Jared. Uh, the good to great. They talk about also that uh, they didn't always have a job for these people, but they knew they were the right people. So they will figure it out, as they say. They said first who, then what. It's, it's, not, it's not what you pay. It's who you pay the sales role i mean i there's a great concept of like people like once the the product is able to
1: deliver um on expectations then people buy from people that they they know people they trust and most important people they like um so so it's just you need likeable people too
2: that, that's super interesting because uh, i'm a big believer in, in in the new world we we're going to go into whatever that post covid world is going to be called um, that uh, you know, companies with with strong cultures and actually focusing on that muscle, because it is is a muscle. If you don't train it, it it goes tired. Um, will will uh, have a bit more you know wind in the back than others. Doesn't mean it doesn't going to be hard. It's going to be hard for for everyone to find their their foot in the new world. But you you're going to probably be under the wave instead of under the wave because the the team just moves. And I think we've seen that during the pandemic as well in the industry. The the company that had a really strong culture, they have really. They have really moved or with it it happens they also suffered but they've definitely moved on as well better um to, to take the conversation a bit uh further on because like you know a lot of people talk about tech in the moment on digitization it's the big big conversation theme in in the industry um but how do you see that you know because uh, you are you are not delivering uh, the front of house tech. you're delivering the back of house tech. how can you see that tech is boosting productivity and engagement in a in hospitality what is the role here why it's so important that tech can actually help us a lot with these challenges yeah i mean um i think with with the hospitality industry
1: specifically it's probably the last tech you know, industry to really fully embrace technology and um, uh, the reason being is it's the most complex of all industries and um, we often talk about if you are selling a i don't know a t-shirt in a in a retail store or you're selling a burger you don't have to worry about uh, 15 different separate ingredients you don't have to worry about half you don't worry have to worry about all the different storage all the different suppliers coming in it is a really really complex industry so technology has been you know slower in this industry but it's coming on so fast now from in, in every aspect obviously we are we're very much focused on the digitizing the, the the people and the shifts management um, but it's, it's in inventory management, it's in delivery management, um, oh, every aspect of, of the industry is being digitized right now. Um, we're going to see, I guess, you know, we're seeing a little bit of, um, with, with this kind of in this post-COVID world I think we're going to see a lot more kind of pushing uh, technology out into the into the restaurants, so the restaurants can work with a bit more autonomy than head office I think so I think we're going to see a huge amount of technology play there too
0: yeah picking up on that I mean there is an element of and I kind of maybe it's because I've been doing this digitization of industries for 25 years or more and I've seen different industries like first of all there's a there's a one thing that I say is, do you know what? There isn't a digital transformation. There's transformation. All digital is is, a, is an enabler. And, and I think actually when you look at it, the majority of, of technology solutions are just tools and you will give people the best tools and training and the trust that they can go and do their job. And I think that's really what, what we have to look at. There's, there's lots of innovation going on out there in terms of ordering. I, I spoke to companies this week that have special CRM so that you can see exactly what your total relationship with your customer is, um, from what they buy to what they order to when they buy, how often they buy, how they buy, that kind of information, which is only going to feed in to an overall data set that sort of says, actually, what staffing do I need? Because these are the these are the uh, changes that are coming. But a lot of that is is actually second guessing what your traditional really really good hospitality manager had that sixth sense that they could understand that when they saw somebody coming in the door they could sense whoa this looks like a husband and a wife and three kids he looks a bit she looks a bit frazzled and stressed there's probably been a row at home let me get them a good table and get the kids fed quickly because that's probably something that they need because they they want and get a glass of wine in front of it's that kind of you know, and that's not tech. That can never be done by tech. That's something that just is human. And if we in the tech industry can make that experience happen more often by giving back the time to that manager, that's job done. And, you know, tech is just a tool. It's a tool as good as a good chef's knife. It cuts the steak quicker. It, that's all it has to do. And I don't think we should get obsessed by it. I think we should say, "Do you know what? That we we'll do that bit for you. You get on with doing your job."
2: Super interesting, you say, with, with the time, which I totally agree. Uh, get more time on on the floor, and also be able to train people in in getting those skills. Because you know, once is that you're very experienced. Because one of the things I've seen often. Um, when you move between units or companies is that data set, you said something about that, Conor, as well, it has been missing before because you have to, again, to to learn it all, to feel it, get it into your body to understand how the rhythm of the business. I guess that some of that data can also help with that, you know, transfer knowledge quicker if we get it structured in the right way. We have that data. We know more about our individual restaurants uh, as well. Absolutely. I mean, and and data... Data is critically important to
0: be able to, to sort of see that and see trends, and then also be able to compare. So that if you are a multi-location business, you can sort of say, oh, that's interesting. Uh, item X on the menu is going better in one place than another place, and and why is that? Is the chef, has the chef altered the, you know, and it's that kind of, you know, intelligence gathering um that that's that's really really important for that, and then to also make decisions in terms of is it are you selling the right stuff is the stuff you the stuff you think you sell is that kind of speed of decision making that sometimes the technology can help you um help you do I mean like even you get into deeper semantics you know semantic sort of uh, social where you can understand what's potentially happening in an area so that you can staff up your your um Restaurant appropriately, or are looking forward at the weather, so that you can sort of see. Well, actually, we we know that on hot days we tend to have 10% more or 10% less, um, and it's that kind of intelligence. I think that uh, that the technology can start to deliver, and will deliver more and more into the future.
2: One of the other things I don't know who answered this question. Or just something I thought about as we were talking through this. I guess also when you you get your your basic right on on a, from a schedule point of view, your people get their hours, they're paid on time, they have their breaks and so on, and all the the back office things are working. I guess also that has some kind of indirectly impact on the engagement because that's some of the basic things we we expect in a job. It's the bottom of the Maslow hierarchy, I often say. That's definitely some of the things I've seen myself over the years as well. When you are on top of that, in control of that you said, Jared. You actually start to actually build that trusted engagement at the baseline of it
1: yeah we we're we focusing a lot of, on employee engagement within the product um as I say but simply is the type of product that you know the managers and the uh, and the employees um use every day many times a day so 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 it's a great platform to 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 bring out the engagement piece um We do a lot of different things in engagement um which are really interesting. Um we 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 have um end-of-day surveys so you can rate your shift. How was your how was your day? We're starting to do some kind of um uh, looking at you know algorithms to see how people rate their shift versus um you know you know the the sales in the shift, etc. So we do a lot of stuff around um we do everything, like from um, "Wish you a happy birthday" on the uh, on the on the iPads when you clock in, which is really interesting, people. Uh, which is fun, Um we do. We're, we're doing a lot of work now, um, moving into kind of kudos. I'm a huge believer in in in, in that kind of um, kind of. We often have, in HR systems we often record when things go wrong. We don't actually record all the little kind of micro things you know a great team member does every day. Um, so we're, doing, we're working a lot on that. So I think engagement is a huge part and turnover in the industry is high. and You need to make sure you retain the best people and that they're engaged and connected into the business. So, so it's a big area for us.
2: You also mentioned before... Um that you know the, the hospitality industry maybe been a bit late to the party when it comes to uh, digitalization or transformation as you call it Connor how are you seeing that we, we are now gone through the the pandemic where lots of people are talking about the uh, the roadmap for technology and many restaurant chains have moved faster maybe two three four, four five years in some instances uh, ahead what what is your view as uh, uh, coming from from the tech side of things yeah, I think um, I think we're embracing technology
1: incredibly fast now. Everything from uh, training online is, is is a huge area. Absolutely, I mean, everyone's you know every restaurant should have an app now where people can train. So that's that's become a huge one. Um, we see. I um, actually was in the west of Ireland recently, and there is a little town, I think, it's about ten thousand people. And um, I think they, they they use it as a test bed for drone delivery, and it's absolutely amazing. It looks like something from Interstellar or from the 20s. I was going to the 21st century, the 22nd century. We're already in the 21st. It is quite incredible. Um, literally, they're just drones going across the sky all day, delivering coffee to people, coffee, books, uh, sandwiches, and it's. it's now I know they're using this particular location as a test site. But I think something like 30 or 40% of the people actually in the town, which is a town of about 10,000 people, already have the app, or they've delivered to 30 or 40% of the homes within the town. So I do think we're going to see a huge shift in technology. I agree with Connor. At the end of the day, it's about serving people. A technology is just the enabler. Nobody goes to a restaurant and says, Oh my God, we need to go to this restaurant. They've got the best rota system I've ever seen. It is just an enabler to deliver. Um, but, yeah, no, we will see technology is going to have a huge part to play in, in the future restaurants.
2: Is there any learnings? Uh, I've always thought that retail has been a bit of ahead of us. Is there any learnings we, we, we can have from from them when it comes to digitalization as well?
1: Yeah, I think we, 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 I mentioned earlier, like retail is is easy, was easier to digitize. There's less moving parts in retail. Um, um, there were so many moving parts in the restaurant industry. So, so they did embrace technology a little earlier. Um, so many lessons to learn from them. Um, I think they brought in technology for you know shift management has been a huge thing in the, you know in the retail. Um,
0: but I think we'll catch up really quick. yeah, I, I, you know michael, I, I'm beginning to think that retail can also learn and and need to learn hugely from hospitality and and one of the one of the biggest things, like retail was able to go big box and you had you know sort of twenty odd years ago you had those big out- of town stores you went and you picked up your stuff. Actually, technology has sort of meant that retail has been a has had to shift online. And actually now when people want stuff, they actually very often know what they want. So actually what did they what does the retailer need to do? and i I would see a trend that the high streets are gonna come back because retailers need to offer an experience within their stores. And actually who are the experts at offering experience in stores is actually hospitality because you, you really, you know, you don't go to the pub because you need a beer. You go to the pub because you need company and a beer with it. Because you can actually get a beer from Tesco's but we all know that's not quite the same uh the same experience as going into a going into a pub having a chat with a barman or a bar lady and getting you know ha- having your pint meeting your friends having a bit of a, a joke watching the football if it's on or whatever. So I think actually retail is going to learn from hospitality and I think the two industries are going to probably see a lot more familiarity and similarity. Um, and also the lines are 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 drawn I mean Hospitality is working out how to do some of the delivery at home experience from retail. Retailer, you know, so I, I think every industry learns from every other industry. And I think that's something that we have to be be all very open to. And, you know, that's the one thing technology is done. It breaks down those barriers. It, it sort of says, look, you can learn from, a, you know, you can learn restaurant scheduling from a manufacturing industry.
2: There's so many uh, cross learnings across uh, the two different uh, industries in a way. And there's so much, as you say, such, such a big gray zone now with the home home delivery market, which I only can see will expand over the years and the direct to consumer businesses that would occur out of that. So again, I think there will be a lot lot of things that goes across those borders. I totally agree with you. Coming to the uh, the industry, let's go back to the hospitality industry. Um, there's a lot of prediction a lot of crystal bowling in the moment But um, you talk with a lot of customers you, you look at the industry every day it's been a been a tough year we can all agree on that but how are you seeing the next 12 to 24 months if you were having a, a free go at the crystal bowl and set out the the vision for how it's gonna be looking as we we started this week of a reopening for outdoor dining in in, in the uk uh but what how is your view in in general well, I, I think there are a few things, and I'm sure Jer has some stuff on this as well.
0: But uh, I think one of the first things is, and we've sort of seen probably little snippets of it with the reopening this week in England, where there's going to be a mix of caution and exuberance in terms of getting back, and I think that's going to that's going to be difficult to manage and needs to be needs to be monitored very carefully, you know. Is Is the person coming in a little bit too excited to be out again and may well put themselves in danger, or is the person coming in very cautious and so therefore needs to be reassured? So I think consumer attitudes are going to be are going to be interesting to monitor over the next six months. and um, certainly, and you alluded to it there a moment ago, Michael, the the new channels, I mean if you if you think about it, just 13, 14 short months ago, there was takeaway eat in, delivery was was happening, but it was kind of really just the sort of stepchild of takeaway, you know, where somebody else actually took it away and gave it to you. So it was kind of a middleman. Now, if you kind of look at it, what, what's actually happened is suddenly most hospitality businesses, where they only had two channels before, have five channels. They have, you know, we have restaurant kits where you you you, you get the ingredients and you cook it at home. Um, to to you've got chefs on YouTube showing you how to do that, so actually your experience comes at home. You've got you've got click and collect. You have got uh, delivery. You've got drone delivery, as as Jarrah mentioned. So actually, I think, and then you've got that whole thing around your Deliveroo's and your Just Eats and so on, who've offered an incredible service and it created created a new market. But but now the operators are probably saying that's quite expensive, and and maybe they're you know, maybe new technology will come in that will take some of those aggregators out of the equation. I don't know. But I think certainly we have seen an acceleration of trends that were coming anyway because of the pandemic. I think we're going to go through a six months where it's going to be a little bit higgledy-piggledy because, you know, will, will, will people want restaurant kits when they can actually go into the restaurant itself? Maybe, I don't know, I really don't know. I think we're going to have a six month period where everything is going to be, we, we won't have, we'll, we'll have two years of non-comparable years. You know, you look at 2019, 2020, you can't compare anything that happened in 2020 with anything else, so make it a forecast. on twenty And if the rate things are going 2021, it's going to be sort of similar because there's going to be an excitement. The summer is probably going to be quite big. Then we move into Christmas. So maybe the year will recover itself. But will summer twenty twenty two be like summer twenty twenty one? Probably not. so i I think this really smart businesses are people who are going to be looking at the data, watching the consumer behaviors and and evolving and listening. Listening is listening to the business all the way through this period. and as we go from exuberance to caution again, and you know, who knows? All we are you know we're we're only. We're only another variant away from Armageddon again. Um, but the one thing that's going to happen is lots and lots and lots of innovation. Um, I really think we are. Lots, you know, There's going to be empty units out there that are going to want to be filled by landlords. And there's people out there who maybe have been let go from their own businesses who you know, can follow their dream of setting up their own concept or whatever. And I think we're going to see all that happening. It's going to be great fun. I think the next six months is going to be super. Yeah, yeah, I kinda of, I, I would agree with how Conor Michael. I think this is gonna
1: be the most exciting time ever for anyone in the restaurant industry. I think we're gonna see so much change. Um it's a bit like any time, uh, you know, whether it be a I don't know, if, if, if things get shut down, with with the war, it's it's whatever, and then there's the, the boom years that that follow, you know, when everyone just starts start rebuilding and I think we're going to, to to see so much change. Things I think we're gonna see, um I think we're going to see. I, we're definitely going to see a shift of balance of power from from from, from landlords to 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 operators. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of smaller chains grow really really quickly. Um, the there are covenants are going to come down on rental. I think we're going to see small chains grow very very quickly. People will still want to to eat out, and they want to eat out more than ever. And if you actually look at the percentage the eating out in, 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 in the here in the UK um, as a percent of eating out at home is still so much lower than in other countries, especially compared to the US. The market is wide open. Um, I think people are going to look towards I think we're going to see a, a movement towards suburban locations as well. I think with you know people I do think we're going to see such a you know amount of change for the next few years. Um, it's going to be really challenging. Um you often think of a restaurant group and say they've a often think of a, of a restaurant group say they have a hundred locations and they open 10 a year. And so that means they open one a month. And you have a craft team in head office whose main job is to go open up restaurants successfully. And now, this week, we're trying to open up 100 restaurants all at the same time. And, and really these are new openings because often they have new staff. They, they know, it, it, it is really difficult. It's a really, really challenging time. Um, for me, for any restaurant who's opening now, the, the, the advice I would give them is, and we only talked about this recently, people, people are, are not going to your restaurant much as you might like to think of it right now because, because you're the best restaurant. They're going because they want to eat out, they want to meet their friends, they want to socialize. So you kind of almost have to get out of the way and let them get on with doing that. Um, and if you're opening all these restaurants at the same time, the advice I would give to anyone is just keep it simple. Keep, you know, strip back your menu. Um, unless you're like, a, you, know, you don't need to have 10 different gins uh, you know, at the bar, unless you are a gin bar, uh, you need to keep it really simple because there are so many moving parts in these industries, in, in our industry. It, it's going to be so hard to switch them all on. So remember, people are coming out. You know, to socialize, to meet each other again. Just keep your menu, keep your operations really, really, really simple. It's the only way you'll successfully open up 100 locations at the same time.
2: I think that's a really good point, uh, Jared. Because I I, uh, I talked with uh, some people from uh, from McDonald's, the the other, and exactly McDonald's is doing that, and and regional different things they're doing depending on restaurant type and so on. But they are really stripping back and actually opening up in waves. And you said it very well as well. It's about meeting up. That's what it's about. It's not about choice. It's about meeting up. So I think that's really, really well said. What about staffing? Because that's what you two, you guys, do. You know, you help with the the staffing. Um, there's been a lot of talk about this, uh, uh pink elephant. Somebody called it the the gray rhino as well. Uh, the challenge around talent, especially in, in the UK and London market, where a lot of these European workers left uh, when the pandemic started. Um, and some of them also left during to to Brexit, which is also one of these unknown factor we have ahead, as well. What what is your you know insights view on on staffing and talent for for the industry?
1: Yeah, it, it, it's it's like it's going to be the biggest challenge when we're talking to operators. and We, you know, we talk to operators every day. It's, it's their single biggest challenge. It is going to be uh, is staffing, um, uh, and obviously not just the pandemic. I think Brexit has a huge impact there as well. Um, you know, we're going to have to, some of the things we're going to have to look at obviously using technology to make sure you have the right people in the right place at the right time, You um, creating culture, focusing on having the right people. I think simplified menus are going to be huge. You're going to have to simplify the operations. We're going to have to go in and look at everything in the restaurant from the, you know, the, 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 the ergonomics of the business, because you're going to have to run this business with less people, you know. Um, it just, they're just going to be a, you know, a staff shortage.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I and, think and that, I mean, there's certainly anecdotal evidence that a lot of people have potentially left the industry. Now, however, there is also plenty of anecdotal evidence from the past that pe- people who are passionate about hospitality will will probably be attracted back to it. And I think the industry needs to look at saying, right, first of all, how many people have left the industry? And have they left permanently but then also how how can how can the industry attract good, good talent back to it because i mean it is potentially a vulnerable industry and you, you never know when there's another pandemic around the corner now that we've got this pandemic thing uh in which we would never have even considered uh, 18 months ago so i think the the industry as a whole and i think there is some great work um done by Kate in uk hospitality in terms of positioning The hospitality industry first of all as a real genuine industry it employs ten percent of people and but there's a million people furloughed out there that need to be brought back and brought back in a safe environment Um, and then optimization of their roles and their training I I think there is going to be skill requirements I mean Jared talks about a simpler menu choice but also I think flexibility within within the the roles that people do Um, you know because I think there's back of house front of house Bar versus waiting, and so on. I think all of those people will have to be more flexible because some of those chan- new channels will need slightly different skills to execute on. So, um, and not to mention the whole Brexit thing as to whether it, the pandemic has kind of hidden the potential staffing effect that we were so worried about eighteen months ago. It's sort of hidden it, so we don't know whether how to what extent it's there. And, um, you know we know that in yeah you, you know in London, you know it 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 was unusual merely to have an English accent serving you. That's probably is that going to be different when this all settles down? I don't know, I really don't know, but I think it's something that we're gonna to have to watch
2: well and and I guess also we talked a bit about before that technology new new channels of revenue increase the complexity i guess there's also a a new skill set that's needed as well uh, in the talent you go out and look for and also there's a different way of organizing yourself. your organization has to be set up in a, in a different way. do Do you have any thoughts about that? because I think that's one of the big moves that needs to to change as well. yeah, i I, I think we're going to see more and
1: more um, pushed out to, to you know away from head office down to down to store level. There'll be more responsibility at store level. I mean, there already is. I mean I always we always talk about running these each of these stores is running a micro business, but I, I think we're going to. We're going to we're going to be short of people at head office. There's going to be yep, so definitely
2: more more control at, at store level. Good, in- interesting. What about when we we talk about uh, Do you think it's going to be regional these challenges of, of talent? Because a lot of people are when they talk hospitality, they take the uh, the starting point in in London, but London is 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 like New York. It's a very different place of running a hospitality business than when you go out regionally, and for example go where i live in brighton which is much more independent focused as well and, and smaller restaurants and in a different place of, of working than london do you think it's going to be regional problems for the biggest cities or you think it can be a a uk challenge uh, all in all I think we're obviously we're going to see 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 a bigger problem in London, but I actually think what we're
1: going to see is 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 more more people moving out to the regions um, with this kind of new way of working and working from home or working remote. I actually think it's going to be it's going to help the smaller towns all around the UK. So I think I think I mean that's think that's going to be a really good thing for the UK. Uh, you know, so so I think we'll have a challenge everywhere, but this regional towns it's going to be a good thing because I think we're going to see more business moving out there more people working from home.
2: is all going to balance out and maybe they actually needed a bit of a balance out from, from a London-centric. I think, I think we're going to see that balance. London's going to be shorter people, but, you know, it's going to benefit the rest of the country. To take the, the conversation away, because that was super interesting how you, you thought the where the industry is, uh, we'll take it over to a t- different subject because I always uh, like to ask people what kind of book they would like to give away you already uh, you already mentioned a couple uh, but i know especially you jared has, has a lot uh, you but connor let's start with you you already uh, mentioned uh, barry o'reilly i know that the book on Learn is a great book it's also on our our book list on our website for for people to read uh, any any other books uh, connor you would uh, recommend people that they're, they're, they're just evergreens they're must read books for for leaders
0: well, actually, one one I have that actually uh, I, I I pick up as a reference book every so often. It's a book by Richard Lewis called When Cultures Collide. And it, I, I came across it when I first started actually working internationally. But it works just as easily when you're working with an international team where actually it just goes through. Every, every nationality, every country and sort of tells you a little bit about their, their background, their, their beliefs, their values and so on. And it just helps hugely in terms of, so if you have a Brazilian chef and you have a, a, a Scandinavian waitress, why aren't they getting on or why are they particularly getting on? And you can kind of see what are things I mean, I'm a great believer that our history and our culture defines us, but it should never confine us. So actually, I, I like when cultures collide for that for that reason. And there's a there's a, a, a sort of ancillary book called uh, When Teams Collide, which is uh, equally as good. So anybody who's dealing with a, a multinational audience should have that book on their shelf. And um, I love learn. I've got a big audience. I've got a big lots and lots of sort of sales books that I've uh, I've I've read over the years. And um, I like the Power Game, and um, and just you know, I'm, I'm always looking, at, I'm, a, I'm an avid reader of the Harvard Business Review and probably read three articles uh, a day from that um, because I think there's just some great innovative thinking coming out of the, the US in particular in terms of leadership and, and, and organizational dynamics and technology as an enabler.
2: We 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 are not going to finish today if you're going to take your whole list, Jared. I know because uh, that's a long list of yours. I can obsess about books, uh, restaurant books. It's so weird. We work in the
1: restaurant industry, and then I come home and I read about other people working in the restaurant industry. I should have a my 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 book should be anything but restaurant, but I do. I, I think we mentioned earlier how it shows. Um, put your heart into it, it just comes to me again. his second book was Onward, which was kind of like this story of, of Starbucks, you know, from 2010 on. Um, um, but any any books about founder stories in the restaurant industry. I love I love Ben and Jerry's book, Double Disc. Um one of the first books I read in the restaurant industry was about copy of public accounts. Remember, it was a Bobby and a sister. It was an incredible book. It got me so inspired back in the day. Um, um Wow, oh, anything, anything about restaurants. I love, reading about, I love reading about behind the scenes in restaurants and what to how they got to where they are.
2: Yeah, and, and then there's uh, the Singermans, as as as, uh, as we had talked about a couple of times in Sengh I think that's really an interesting company if you are an operator right now to look at, because I actually gone back and pulled down those books from my bookshelves as well. So I said, okay, the way they operate, probably is what you said, Jared, as well, where you're moving power out to the front line, you can learn a lot from that. You don't have to become like them because they are probably an extreme version of giving permission to operate. But there's definitely some tactics they use to uh, to give more permission for people to operate. Yeah, what well, one
1: other book actually before I forget everyone needs to read, if you go up to the restaurant is Danny Myers uh, um Setting the Table. Uh, you have to read it. It's actually a great feeling that almost every book about the restaurant industry is about UK, U.S. businesses. I'd love to see uh, more uh, U.K. Uh, business operators because they're just, just as amazing stories. I'd love to see many more about those, you know. I'd love to, you know, I, I love Rick Stein's books about seafood, a bit of, about travel. i love to learn about the behind-the-scenes much more about U.K. restaurants. So encourage more U.K. operators to write books
2: Good that was, a, that was a good shout out there and you're absolutely right I was thinking about that recently as well there's like no uh, there's no like Danny Meyer book out there from from the from the UK scene. Um in the end of the the podcast I always ask about three advice for for leaders out there so so each of you will have to give your your shot at what is your top three advice for for leaders out there right now in the, in the current environment when. So let's kick off with uh, with you Connor. Okay well I'm glad I'm going first, actually, because uh, Gerald have
0: to think of three other ones. Um, but I think we'll probably end up with the same ones because we do think the same, um, although we think about it differently. The first one is simplify and concentrate on the customer experience. I mean, remember, customers are looking for an experience. Give them an experience. You are in a theatre, so make sure that you you give them a great show. And to do that, I think the second thing is, is, is about people. We use this in our own business, but hire great people and give them the, the, the four T's. And the four T's are give them the right tools to do their job, give them the right training to do their job, trust them to do their job and to take decisions themselves so that they can get the time to spend with their, with their customers and their staff. And then I, I guess... The the third one is stay passionate, you know, just stay passionate, and if you feel you're losing the passion, stop.
2: Good, yeah, because yeah, because the passion drives most things. Any add ons there, Jared? Is there anything you think we need to add on there? It could be just one or two advice now that Connor has covered some of them. I think Connor has very much covered. For me, it is, if I was to say it, I would say hire great people, hire great people, hire great people.
1: It's, 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 having the right, it's, it's everything, it's the most important, I mean, defines your entire everything about your business.
2: So, super advice there. Simplify and concentrate of your uh, customer experience, hire the right people, the right people on the bus, the wrong people off the bus, as they're saying, good to great. And then uh, be sure that uh, you you have the energy and passion to, to drive it forward. That's so great. But where can uh, people find out more about uh, you guys? Where should they go and look? Uh, Any websites, LinkedIn, so on? Yeah, well, we're www.bizimply.com and that's
0: B-I-Z-I-M-P-L-Y, so Business Simply, Simply. Bizimply. Advice at bizimply.com as an email um, or email either of us, you'll find us uh, online. Uh, we have an Instagram, Basimpli HQ, we have a Twitter, Basimpli, we have a Facebook page at Basimpli, and we have LinkedIn pages at Basimpli. And we have people in London, Southampton, Hull, Dublin, Galway, Cork, Cairo, Tallinn, Krakow, um, just I would all love to talk to anybody. So um, give us a call and let's continue the conversation if you liked what you heard.
2: Great! Thank you so much uh, to both of you, and uh, we send you from here at Hospitality Mavericks power and energy to, to the team, and uh, and we will keep on and working on, on great stuff and, and shared with uh, with people out there together. Great! Thank you. Thanks, Michael. Thank you so much, Jared and Connor, for this great conversation and sharing how you are building a great culture and team, and giving us an outlook on. The hospitality industry. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please share, rate, review, or subscribe to one of our channels. A big thank you to BizSimply for supporting us, bringing great insights and strategies and tools to help the industry thrive, not just survive. Check them out at bizsimply.com or on the social at bissimply or hq You can also email them directly on advice at Also, a big thank you to Fina Charlson, who is the show producer and editor from the podcast collective. Tune in next time for another interview. And in the meantime, find out more about us and subscribe to our community and download free leadership tools at hospitalitymavericks.com. And don't worry if you didn't get all of this, there will be links in the show notes. Thanks for listening and be maverick.